welcome to another episode of the Negative Positives Podcast. And now, coming to you live out of the Gutter Man Cave in beautiful Louisville, Kentucky. He likes his bourbon almost as much as he likes his Pentax. It's your host, Mike Gutterman. Hello and welcome to the Negative Positives Podcast, episode 294. I'm your host, Mike Gutterman, coming to you from the Gutterman Cave here in Louisville, Kentucky. It is the Monday episode, which means we have a, a well, we usually have a co-captain, but tonight we have a co-co-captain and a special guest. And it is, uh, it's kind of the night before New Year's Eve, so I guess we should go ahead and say as the New Year's episode, Happy New Year to everyone, and hope everyone had a very Merry Christmas as well. So, But without any further ado, let's meet the... Uh, the people on the podcast with me tonight. First of all, uh, Andre Dominguez could not make it tonight. He is on a little little New Year's trip, I think, with his girlfriend. So, a little young love, a little romantic getaway. And uh, so he, uh, we I needed uh, I needed uh, somebody that was very chocolatey, a good cocoa captain to join me tonight. And and who else would be better uh, suited for that than Mr. Bill Manning from the Studio C Forty One One Hour Photo Podcast? How you doing tonight, Bill? I'm doing well, and I'm feeling a lot like count chocula right now <laughs> <laughs> well perfect that, that should that's, that's exactly the i think it's in the job description actually so yeah but uh <laughs> and uh, also tonight our special guest is uh jessica jones and she is joining us from aren't you, you're in florida right now is that right jess but you're actually from virginia am i correct with that that is correct i oh, live in virginia but i am visiting my family in florida right now Awesome. Well, I bet your weather is probably a little better than mine right now. It's rainy and like uh, 40 something degrees here. Uh, so I don't know what, 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 what do you got going on down there? We have to have uh, a weather forecast. I'll, I would trade you. I'm, I'm a cold weather lady. <laughs> oh, so <no. laughs> It's a little balmy. It's a little right. toasty. Uh, yeah. not, it's not, not it's a like 70 degrees right now uh, with about 157% humidity. So it's a little much for me, but it's okay. I can adapt. Right. Bill, how's your weather? <laughs> uh, it's raining. Yeah, I think a lot of people are getting this. <laughs> a lot of people are getting this. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's getting a little chilly, but uh, you know, I, I got. Uh, I'm sporting a nice cardigan here, and uh, oh, I'm, <laughs> nice. I'm eyeing this uh, tiger yum yum here that uh, <laughs> I'm so impatiently ready to open. Right. So we should mention that uh, when Jessica found out, uh, you know, she was coming on the show. She apparently works for a brewery, and uh, so in this, uh, I guess it's Fine Creek Brewery. Is that correct, Jessica? That is it. Yeah. All right, and uh, so she. Uh, <laughs> She contacted me to get addresses, and so she kindly sent Bill and I uh, some big-ass beers. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it's almost humorous how big this can is. And uh, uh, But already, like uh, I, I could already tell from just the pre-recording uh, that, that Jess is going to be a great uh, guest on the show. But but just even if she bombs, she's already going to be one of my favorite guests because she sent beers to the to the, <laughs> to, the, to the to the to the you know to the host. So I can't can't complain about that. So. I I think we should uh and, and salute to these gigantic beers i think we should uh pop them open right y'all ready i'm ready right. we go three two one all exploded <laughs> everywhere <laughs> i probably filled that one especially for you to the top <laughs> <laughs> it's all over my microphone. <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to get it a little wet for the podcast, guys. Oh, 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 oh boy. 
<laughs> so Jess, tell us about this. Uh, go ahead and give us the little, um, I don't know, the little commercial for your brewery uh, that you work All right. at. Uh. So we are probably one of the smallest, if not the smallest brewery in Virginia. Um, we're a little farmhouse brewery out in the country, just outside of Richmond. We are on a property next to some cottages and a wedding venue. And we've only been open for our just under three years. Uh, mm -hmm. We've got just a small three barrel system. We don't can anything aside from doing these crowlers that we fill by hand. Um, mm -hmm. We are distributing just around the area, but we're pretty tiny. We work with a lot of the farms down the road for our food. I, I'm one of the managers. I also am one of the chefs and I am the photographer and social media person because we're awesome. very small. So we all have to, we all have to have a lot of Multiple jobs. Hats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You right. have to be to do a lot of stuff so it's a it's a great job and it's a great place to work and we make a lot of different beers we get to experiment because we're not making huge batches of anything um, sure yeah. we're always brewing something new we're always putting out new food so we get to be creative it's pretty That's cool awesome. Well, I'm going to try this. This is uh, you sent me uh, two beers. The first one I'm having is a, a black lager. And you uh, said in the pre-recording of this uh, show, uh, the pre or the pre-talk, I guess, before we were recording, that you sent me some of the lighter beers. I guess knowing my penchant for Miller Lite, you didn't want to uh, send me like some <laughs> some stout or something like that. But well, I don't well, know. you've got <laughs> but, a stout. You've got a stout. The, the lager the lager is light. Just okay. I'm only saying that because <clears throat> it's you know it's not an IPA or anything like that. But right, the lager yeah. is light. It's a little darker and a little malty, but it's still really light. And then the stout is pretty Ooh. medium bodied and has a lot of black tea and vanilla, but it's nothing's too heavy. Right. I, yeah. The, the black lager is. Uh, I can handle it. I just tasted the black lager. It is. It's very good. Yeah, I'm going to enjoy that quite a bit. So, I uh, will be. Uh, I'll be three sheets of the wind uh, by segment three. So uh, should be good. That's my plan <laughs> all along. <laughs> Just My microphone right. smells like tiger yum yum. <laughs> Delicious. Excellent. Awesome. Well, uh, since this is Jess's first time on the show, um, how about you tell the fine folks how you got into uh, into photography and particularly this uh, this film madness? All right. Um, so I have been in film photography for probably. 10 years or so, I never really shot digital aside from some dinky point and shoot cameras that I had when I was a kid. But when I was in my late teens and early 20s, I was around a lot of action sports. And there were a couple dudes that were professional photographers and they were still shooting film, one more than the other, same as Brian Soderlund. But he was doing whole magazine shoots with film cameras. And oh, wow. it was fascinating to me. He was getting paid from Nike and Von Zipper for these full page spreads with these creative ideas using just film cameras. And I didn't know that that was still a thing mm. for, least mm. for him. Yeah. And it was just fascinating. So uh, that kind of sparked that in me a little bit and my first film camera that I got I picked up off of eBay and it was a Polaroid land camera the one nice and 
that just kind of started it all for me. So and from that, it just snowballed further and further. And now I have no money. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. <laughs> so that's yeah. where it started. It just kind of, it went from the Polaroids and it just kept going. And here I am. Well, I noticed that, uh, and I don't want to kind of, blow all the questions that we have in the second segment but uh i do know you're you're really big on the pack film in fact i remember there was one particular episode i was talking about selling a good portion of my fuji fp 100c that i have stocked up in my in the gutter man cave uh film fridge and you had actually sent me a message like no don't sell your fp 100c <laughs> like it's a beautiful film it. and <laughs> no because the price is not worth the product you know yeah yeah well, the thing of it is, we're, I actually have come to a conclusion. I think I'm going to sell it all except for like five packs of it. And I want to do like a project with my last five packs of the of the pack film and kind of do something special with it. But I have like 20 packs and I don't, you know, I just don't shoot it enough to keep all that. And we're kind of trying to save for a new vehicle. So we need some money. So, yeah. And, but, you know, I think it'd be kind of cool to have like just five last packs and let's, let's make a project out of it and maybe make a zine out of it or something like that. My, my last days with pill apart or something, you know? And, uh, so yeah. I suggest you do the project before you sell it in the case. case Yeah. Well, (laughs) yeah, that, or you, you know, a pack doesn't come out the way you expected. And then you're like, shit, I only have four left. And so, yeah. Well, five packs would be 50 shots and that's, that's probably double about what you'd need really for a small zine or something. So, uh, I feel like I've got a little leeway there, but I don't know. These are just, it's just all, it's just a plan that I'm, I'm thinking about doing. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll wait for the weather to turn uh, back to warm weather and get some pretty colors again. Cause that is yeah. a color film. So, and I do like the way it renders colors. I shot a lot of it uh, back when it was cheap, but uh, not so much anymore. <laughs> so, but oh, yeah. God, you're yeah. going to hate, hate what I used to do to film packs before <laughs> I, before I knew what those numbers on the packs meant. Right, like, <laughs> and I would just shoot them willy nilly, and I was like, "Why is the color so bad inside? Why is the black and white so great to shoot inside?" And I just ruined so many shots, like hundreds of shots in low light situations, right. before I learned what that meant. And man, if only I could go back in time. Well, I used to, man. There was probably there was a time when my local camera store. This was back when Polaroid was still making uh, uh, pill apart film, and and you could still even get the uh, you know the integral film, the six hundred and S- I think they had stopped the SX seventy at that point, but they'd still making six hundred film. But my local camera store was always had this clearance table, and I would go in there, and they would have like five dollar boxes of short dated or slightly expired uh, Polaroid uh, you know pack film, and I would go in there and buy boxes and boxes. I'd come out with like ten boxes at a time, you know. I was constantly buying it. And because I had so much of it and I kept getting it so cheap, I took shots of it. I have a whole box of just horrible photography that I took with, with the stuff because I just be, oh, I'll just go out here in my yard and I want to shoot a pack of a Polaroid. No big deal, you know. And I, there's another picture of that tree and uh, yeah, I just, just wasted it, you know. And now, now I look back, I'm like, yeah, that was a really nice film. Wish I'd taken some good photography with it because I certainly yeah. didn't. But, yeah. you know, but yeah. So how are you doing on your stock of it? Uh, that might be one of the questions. Maybe we should, maybe we should stop because I think somebody might have asked it. But you got quite a bit of it still left of a uh, pack film. I'm going to save that little bit till the end. Okay, okay there you go. Cliffhanger. <laughs> yeah, oh, man. He, she, she's learning the ropes already. You just had to do yeah. like a, a little teaser. Yeah, so that's awesome. So I have a question for you, Jess. <laughs> okay. Uh, have you uh, part? 
taken is that yeah uh, have you participated in the kickstarter for the one instant heck yeah i have and i'm still yeah. waiting on that shit to show up at my doorstep but i'm <laughs> sure it's coming soon uh, yeah our, our I... co-host steven um uh he he got his hands on it and did the first shot on it and it, it looks pretty impressive i'm pretty... oh, that's good I'm pumped yes. for it. I really am. I, I got my T-shirt months ago, um, so I'm still waiting on my film. But I've seen everyone else getting it and sharing their results, and it just makes me more excited. And I know that it's not cheap. Yeah. And I know that I could probably just buy some more of the Fuji stock for that same price. Mm-hmm. But I want to support anything that's working towards saving it yeah yeah and Mm -hmm. and i know that's not for everybody and that's fine but it really is just a huge joy for me to shoot that style of film so i'll put my money towards it and i think i think the price will eventually start to go down because it is like a totally 100 percent manual process like Mm -hmm. they're assembling that box together they're putting the pods in by hand and you know so it it's definitely a labor of love that as far as the price reflects that, I think. Absolutely. So. Man, I wish I could go over and do it with them. I yeah. I would love that. I think one of the one of the Kickstarter rewards if you like if you pledge like a crazy amount of money you could go and make your own uh, at the at the yes, little that's yeah right, <laughs> right. yeah like, you have to pay to go work but I would just go over <laughs> there and just show up at the door and be like hey can I do this <laughs> put me to work <laughs> please, please. I, I have I have gigantic cans of beer for you guys so let me in <laughs> <laughs> please here are my cans please let me in. Mike set me up for that one. I blame him. Uh, well, there you go. <laughs> so uh I think that's uh that's really all we need to know about Jess right now, I think, until we get to, <laughs> to the next segment. But uh uh so this is the first segment. So we like to talk about what we've been up to lately. And since um uh, Mr. Bill Manning has taken Andre's uh, spot as a, a very chocolatey cocoa captain. Uh, I think we should start with uh, Bill, since Andre usually goes first. So, Bill, what have you been up to this week, or or just lately in recent recent times? Yeah, um, I have been taking a little bit of time off. We did our last recording right before Christmas, and I said, you know, guys, let's just take the break and just kind of relax and uh, you know regain our. Uh, energy for 2020 um, and uh, but that doesn't mean that we're like on vacation for by any means so I've been getting on calls planning for 2020 trying to really get um, organized for for the caliber of interviews that I uh, intend to have uh, going into to the next year so um, uh, so really excited about that Um uh, some new opportunities. Uh, uh, was talking to um, uh, last week KEH Camera, and nice. uh, we might be. Uh, well, it's it's definitely going to happen. So January nineteenth, we're going to be hosting uh, with KEH Camera a photo walk uh, in Nashville uh, with <laughs> the. Uh, um, oh, jeez. The uh, it, it's going to be pretty much open ended. Uh, I don't think it's just going to be just film. It'll be digital people walking along with uh, analog people, and it's going to be really exciting. So, it's going to be for Imaging USA. So, more details to come on that. Um, uh, so, be sure to 
uh, I'll be sure to let Mike know about it as well. Yeah, yeah, I definitely intend on uh, being down there as well. And and you'll hear uh, probably Bill and I both talk about it on our podcast as it gets closer to try to try to. Well, we're going to need some more more of a film army there in case in case a fight breaks out between us and the big <laughs> digital bullies. We got to have some got to have some reinforcements. So there, yeah, but. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, and it's pretty cool the Nashville scene as far as like um, the scenery. So because uh, it's actually funny because we missed each other by one day we last did. time. And uh-huh. uh, but the scenery there's so cool and um, it's it's a lot of fun to shoot down there and um, I, I think you and I we may actually try to get together and do an actual uh, pseudo in studio recording and everything like that. So. Yeah, yeah, hell yeah, and uh, uh, it's it's kind of perfect too because I think like Nashville is like almost a dead center. Uh, between where Bill lives and where I live. So yeah. it's like we're meeting right in the middle. So, uh, yeah, it should be, a, a be, it'd be fun to meet you face to face, Bill. And, uh, Finally. and you can, yeah, <laughs> there you go. We missed each other last time. So yeah, uh, it should be a good time. So we'll, uh, we'll keep you guys informed about that as, as we get closer to it, but definitely something's happening. So mark your calendars. We're looking at what January 19th. Is that right? January 19th, 2020. Hell yeah. All right. Anything else, Bill, what else you've been up to? Uh, photographically, um, you know, it's been tough. Um, you know, uh, sun drops down really fast. So by the Mm -hmm. time I get home from work and everything, the sun's already pretty much down. And, uh, uh, so it's kind of that, uh, depressing time of year where for photographers, it's like, oh, I want to go photograph something and it's dark. There's no light. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But I do have a lot of 800T, uh, that I've been kind of, uh, shooting through and, uh, doing some street stuff in the evenings uh, with a my Hasselblad. There um, it is. <laughs> yes. So, um, so I've been really enjoying the square format as of late. Um, I've been uh, enjoying that, um, and I uh, just saw Star Wars. So, <laughs> yep, yep, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I I just saw it uh, this this afternoon. So yeah, there you did go. Did you love it or did you love it? Uh <laughs> I, I put this way. I liked it more than I thought I would. I went in prepared to be disappointed because I was quite disappointed with the movie before this one. Uh, but um, I think they did a, as good a job wrapping it up as they could with what the last film kind of left open. And but I mean, I'm, I'm happy with it. I, I didn't leave and like boo, you know. But I was like, I was like, okay, yeah, all right. It could have been better, but it definitely could have been worse because I've seen that in the in the series so far. But but yeah, I, I don't know, Bill. What'd you think? Oh man, um, they have a shot. On the film, best, so there, uh, this is yeah. filming. So <laughs> yes, it, there we go. There, there's our excuse. Um, right. Uh, how I want to say this without okay, so I'm trying to not give Just up any lay it spoilers. On it. Oh, okay, yeah, I guess that's fine. Yeah, um, okay, so I'm sorry, spoiler alert. So try to fast forward through this, listeners, whatever. Um, I, I was disappointed in when so you, you hear the saying, good cinematography is showing, not telling, mm. and and I there was a lot of telling in this, uh, especially like when spoiler alert, the emperor is back. Right. Mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. like his reasoning for back was like this 32nd circle powwow about how he came back and everything. Yeah. And I was just like, ah, really? Like the dialogue was a really bad. And like, you just cheapened the whole story as far as, 
you know, what happened there. And, like, I keep referencing, like, how epic, like, Lord of the Rings was because, like, you know, you introduced this, like, all-powerful evil character from the very get-go. And, like, he still plays this pivotal role throughout that trilogy. Mm-hmm. And and you didn't get that with with the Emperor, right? You yeah, know, it was just yeah. like... It was like, oh, by the way, he's this one episode, and then, like, you know, that's it. You know, so I felt like, you know, that story could have been so much told so much better. But at the same time, I kind of feel like this is a feature film, and I'm kind of spoiled by, you know, TV series where we have 10 one-hour episodes to build this character arc, right? And so I have a level of expectation of this character's progression you know, going into, you know, a a feature film. And I don't think that's necessarily fair. So that makes sense. It did feel like my wife was talking uh, after we left the the theater. She was like, you know, I felt like at the beginning, like they were throwing so much information at you. And like, it was just a little, it just seemed a little, it it seemed a little forced. And I was like, well, there's just so many loose ends. I think they were trying to tie up in like just a two and a half hour movie that, it just the plot kind of, or just just the dialogue. Everything was. It just seemed like, oh man, we got it. We got We got to wrap this up. We got to wrap this up. We got to wrap this up. We got to wrap. This up. And like, it seemed like they just didn't have enough time. Like it should have been maybe two movies to really wrap up all those ends properly. You know, but yeah. I felt like it felt forced and, and uh, very strange. But but overall, I mean, I enjoyed it. I mean, yeah. it's a Star Wars movie. I'm a Star Wars geek, so I'm gonna go. You know, but uh, <laughs> but yeah. So and I thought, um, you know, it there was a couple of moments that you know I'm the old. I mean, I, I was a kid when the first ones came out and, you know, so there was enough there to uh, excite me about like the, you know, the, oh, what's the word I'm looking for here? The, the, the kind of looking back, there was enough, n- enough for the old fans and also enough for the new fans, a little bit of yeah. everything in there. So there was, they, that was some, some of the nice parts of it. So, uh, and there was some, there were some really cool scenes in it too, like. Uh, the lightsaber battle uh, by the ocean on top of that r- remains of the Death Star or whatever. That was oh, that pretty was good. pretty badass. Yeah, that was yeah. pretty badass. Yeah, so uh, I got to give that a lot of credit there. So, Jess, have you seen it? I did see it. My uh, partner, he's a huge Star Wars fan. Mm. Star Wars and Godzilla, those are those are the two, <laughs> right. two big things in his life. Um, so we did see it. And he knows everything about everything. And I've watched them all. I can't piece them all together because it's been a long time. Mm-hmm. But Babu Frick, that was probably <laughs> the best thing about the movie. But I, I do love Adam Driver, and I thought he did. He does I a thought, fantastic I, job. Yeah, I think I think he actually has been the best part of these last three movies. Uh, I think he's been the most interesting character. And I just I think he was a solid choice. When I, when I first saw him cast in that role, I was like, that's an odd choice. I don't know about yeah. that guy. And yeah. then by the end of the three that he was in, I was like, man, he was really the most interesting character. And I think did the best job. Truthfully. I, I really liked what they did with his character, but um, I think that's one thing they definitely did. Right. Was his the story yeah. of his character. Yeah. So yeah, I'll agree with that. Of that trilogy. When I, I didn't know he was in the movie and we went to go see it in a theater and he came on screen and one other girl in the theater and myself laughed out loud because we know him <laughs> from the TV show Girls. Mm. So it was just a very odd transition from that character to that Star Wars character. But right. I, I really do think he he is probably the perfect bad guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this this movie choked me up for sure. I mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. I did. 
I yeah. thought it was going to end about 20 different times, but <laughs> right. it was still really good. <laughs> but yeah. Frick, I love Babu Frick. They should have a, a whole show just for him. <laughs> well, with Disney in charge now, and they, they're not going to stop that money train anytime soon. There's very likely to be a, a whole series for him. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah. All right. Well, I guess we've got enough enough Star Wars geek talk out. But uh, so, um, uh, so yeah. I guess we should move on to to Jess. What have you been up to lately? I I haven't shot a lot lately because holidays, service industry, it's a little tough. But. Um, I, I do have a film group in Richmond that I started just over a year ago, and we meet every few months at a brewery, kind of a, a ripoff of the beers and cameras, because mm-hmm. I would see that and thought, I want that, you know? I, sure. I live in the city. I've only been there for just under four years, and I there's a huge photo program in Richmond, but I would never see anyone out and about shooting, so I started this group willy-nilly and have made some fantastic friends from it so we we did have a photo walk recently which was a lot of fun where we just you know you walk around town stop at a brewery Uh all that good stuff and so i got to try um a mia 645 because i hadn't shot a 645 camera yet and i've been eyeing them lately just to get a little more out of your 120 film and developed that and i've been playing with uh, a four by five that I got from Bryce Randall. Oh, nice. Uh, Facebook group this year. So that's kind of been my new experimentation is shooting four by five for the first time as well. Um, wow. Yeah. So that's been a lot of fun. It's been good. So I remember, I think maybe even early on, I think on the Facebook group, I think you'd put a post up. It might've been one of your all's first uh, photo walks or photo meetups or whatever. And it looked like a pretty large group there. Like you had quite yeah. a few, right? Yeah, we, I, I've been pleasantly surprised. Um, I didn't know a lot of people in Richmond when I first started it. And for anyone who is living somewhere and you wish that you had more film friends and you just don't have that community around you, I highly recommend just creating it. I, mm-hmm. I've been going to the, Policons in Texas. Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. And having that feeling of all those people around you is just super inspiring. So all I did was create an event on Facebook, and I infiltrated a lot of Facebook groups like the universities, um, anything else I could find, the digital groups, just putting it out there that, hey, we have a film meetup coming up. If anyone wants to show up, if you're interested at all, even if you don't shoot it yet, just please come. And the first ones, just over 30 people showed up, and I was blown away. So, and I know that's not huge, but it's huge for me. And oh, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, so we've had five meets now, and outside of, like, photo walks and whatnot. But um, we've had a good amount of people show up, from young people to pretty old people. Mm-hmm. That have been shooting for a really long time. All kinds of shooters, ten types, four by five. Wow. Uh, what's larger? Not eight by ten, but something even larger. I can't even remember. Um, mm. Not twenty by twenty-four, but there's something in between that. Really cool stuff. So I highly recommend it to anyone who's been interested in doing something like that because it's amazing. So, so did, did you 
Did you have anybody on the walk that was completely new to film, or did you see any of that? We're like, oh, I'm going to give this a try. Uh, could somebody help me load this in my camera? Or like, yeah, just- we, we've had a few people show up to our meets that are interested, or they had received a camera from a family member or an ex or just something. They've had a camera, and they want to learn how to use it. We've definitely had those people. We've had people that had shot it before and it's been 20 years since they've done it and they want to get Mm -hmm. back into it. Um, And then we've had people that have been doing it for a long time, but they haven't known anyone around them shooting Mm -hmm. it. So Mm -hmm. it's been a mixed bag. It's been really cool though, to meet all of these folks in town. And you also get to see and, and play with these cameras that maybe you haven't gotten to mess around with before. So that's always the really cool thing is sharing what you have and learning something new and everyone's so talented in their own way. So it's very inspiring. I always come back from those meets ready to do a million things. And then I go to work and I'm like, Oh man. <laughs> right. Right. The, t- the, the photography to-do list keeps getting yeah, bigger and bigger. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah I have, so a, I have a, I have a list I keep I keep that of all these things I want to try and it's just got I, I I can't scratch things off fast enough it keeps growing more more than I, than I can scratch things off of that I've tried so yeah uh, I remember when I was in Nashville on the Nashville photo walk with Kodak uh, uh, the thing the thing where me and Bill missed each other by a day uh, I ended up spending more time talking to other people yep. about their cameras than I did shooting photos that's fine you know I was yeah. I, I, I feel I've like that's a, how it always is. You yeah. don't shoot that much, you end up just talking the whole time, but that's fine. Yeah, because I, it's so rare. Like I've I've rarely been around other film photographers, but the only time I get to talk to other film photographers is on this podcast or through the Facebook group or something like that. But like uh, to actually be in person with people that, uh, hey, I'm not the only freak that still likes film. This is awesome. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I'm really, yeah. Uh, well, what I really liked, um, so I, you know, hosting a few uh photo walks myself um i rarely i mean i'll have the camera with me but i i probably don't even shoot it out because i probably spend more time getting to know people mm-hmm. and and especially if we're doing something like i know we did one with uh, kodak alaris in atlanta and um they brought out a whole bunch of film and everything and so everybody got like literally a handful of film and by the end of that whole walk, I was making sure that everybody was having a good time. Because yeah. um, I knew no, I'm that it was more important. Too. Yeah, it was. It's so important to make sure that everybody else is having a good time as as being a good facilitator and you know not getting sucked into. Um, I'm having a good time. So sure. um, yeah. So that that's been kind of like my biggest thing when when it's been hosting and everything is to make sure that everybody has a good time with that. And and it's been great meeting so many people, especially when you have a really active community, 30 people for you, Jess is, is a fantastic number. That is huge. Oh man. I, it's amazing. And I wish I could do it all the time. I really do. Um, and we've got a few people that have come regularly. And then every time we have a new meet, new people come, which is amazing. Um, shout out to Chuck and Nate, who are my main dudes here that have helped me so much to kind of get the word out. Cause Chuck is, uh, the manager of our local camera shop chain here. And he, anytime someone comes into the camera shop saying, Hey, I have this film camera. What do I do with it? He's like, you should come to the meets oh, awesome. in town. So nice. that's always really nice. Um, so yeah, it's, 
if anyone is thinking about it, you should just do it because I am an introvert, and if I can do it, you can do it. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm I was talking to somebody off um, uh, through direct messaging or something, and uh, he was. I don't know how the subject came up, but I was. I think I was making the point that when I was at the FPP walking workshop, there's a lot of people there. And I went in with this thought, like, oh, you know, uh, maybe some of these people. And I run into people there that listen to this podcast. And but I got so kind of weirded out. I get kind of weirded out in big crowds, and I, I kind of get a little introverted. And and this person I was talking to on messaging was like, I don't believe it. There's no way you're introverted. And I was like, Well, <laughs> you only hear me when I have a bunch of beers in me, so <laughs> that's a different thing. <laughs> like I get a little, I get a little offish in big groups. How do you but... think I'm on here right now? <laughs> <laughs> right. <there you> go. <laughs> But uh, I think I think there's some about photographers though. I think a lot of us are introverts. It seems like a lot of people that I, I hear that kind of common theme a little bit. I don't know why. It, I guess because if we were extroverted, we'd want to be in front of the camera instead of behind it. Maybe I don't know. It's just a theory I kind of have going because it seems like I run into a lot of people that at least uh, say they're introverted uh, that that shoot photography. So I don't know. Maybe oh, yeah. yeah. Well, Mike, but, I have the perfect solution for this. You need to have a tailgate party before the photo walk. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. I, I'm not sure. Uh, sports, problem right? is that I, I, I'd have to stop. I'd have to stop and pee about every five minutes. Though, so <laughs> the photo walk would be a little difficult. So <laughs> uh, as you get older, the bladder doesn't hold it as well as, as it used to. But <laughs> so, he pees a little every time he laughs. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, you know what? Uh, everybody, stay positive and uh, shoot some boy. <laughs> Uh, all right. So I'll go ahead and get into, uh, my, my week before I, I take any more abuse here, but, um, it's, it's, it's basically been, it's been very disappointing. I got to say, I, I, uh, got off, uh, the Friday before Christmas Eve. And then, uh, I think it was Monday night before we recorded the episode with Ethan Moses. Uh, I was walking out here to the gutter man cave and I stepped off a step and I have this, this knee that's been bothering me and, uh, it gave out when I went off the step and it's been like killing me and it swelled up huge, like the size of a grapefruit. And so, uh, and this was, you know, the day before Christmas Eve, I believe it was. And I had all these plans, like the days after Christmas, before uh, new year's, I was going to do a lot of shooting and man, we had great weather. We were having like 60 degree weather. It was like so great to go out and shoot, but I was basically nursing a knee and trying to not walk. And, uh, oh. for basically the whole week. So I have not got any of any photography accomplished so this whole week has been wasted uh and there's also a lot of other things in life i wanted to get done i was just i just had i've been having to nurse this damn knee all all uh all week long and and before you start throwing out oh mike's an old man uh basically <laughs> i've been well first of all i've worked a factory job for over 20 years so i've been on my knees uh for you know in, in manual labor for a long time but also I've, I've i'm also a runner and i've been running for over 20 years and the years of running and factory work have pretty much destroyed my knees. And it's getting to a point where this knee here has been swelling up off and on for this entire year. Uh, but I think whatever I did before we recorded with Ethan Moses, uh, <laughs> it's definitely taking it to another level. And uh, I can't seem to get it to, the swelling to go down and I keep icing it. So it's basically been nursing a knee all week, which really stinks. And I can get you know let down about it because I had all these plans. But you know, what are you going to do, man? Sometimes life gets in the way and uh, you got to uh, me going out and trying to walk on a bad knee was not going to make it better. So, uh, we'll see, uh, we'll see what happens, but I'm supposed to go back to work in a couple, uh, like January 2nd. And I don't know if oh I'm going to be, <laughs> it's like, it's, it's actually worse now than it was. I, I did something again tonight. I was getting in my wife's car, uh, after we got back from, um, uh, the star Wars movie, I had to run and get some supplies for a new year's Eve party we're having tomorrow night. And, uh, 
I, I tried to get uh, in the, her, her car and I did something to it again. And now I'm gingerly trying to sit in a way where it doesn't hurt uh, on this podcast. So if you hear me groan, it's because I moved in the seat and, <laughs> and a shocking pain <laughs> just went up my leg. But, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's not been fun. But So I don't really have any photography to talk about. I will say tomorrow night we have some friends coming over. And I am going to try to use my, uh, my little Christmas present from my family. They got me a, um, the Kodak uh, smile classic, uh, instant camera. And this is a very strange camera. I did a face cast about it, but it's a, it's a kind of a, it's basically a digital camera at heart. And, uh, but it shoots out like these zinc prints, which zinc prints are like a thermal type, uh, print. So it's, I mean, a print is pretty analog, but I guess the camera is basically a digital camera. Uh, but it, the prints are pretty big. They're almost like the, the camera looks a little bit like a modern version of like a Polaroid spectra. And the, the prints are probably, what are they like three and a half by four and a half, so pretty nice size print comes out of this thing. Uh, but the cool thing about it is you, there's an app for it, and you can actually take the picture with your phone, uh, run it to this app. You can put little Instagram-type filters on there and then just send that photo to this camera and have it printed like a, just like a printer. So oh, I think wow. I actually, yeah, it's pretty, pretty cool. I think it's a really cool product from Kodak. And it's one of those things that, you know, some other company is making it for them and putting their name on it. But uh, obviously Kodak must get some royalties off the thing because I keep getting emails from Kodak, from Eastman Kodak about this camera. So obviously they have a vested interest in seeing this thing sell. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of fun, man. It's, uh, I have this um, on my, the beer fridge out here. Uh, we used to have this little Polaroid snap camera, which is the same technology, but it would shoot these little business print, business card size, size prints out. Uh, but the cool thing about the zinc paper is, is it's it's got this paper on the back. You peel off, and you can either use it as a regular printer, or you can peel off the paper and make a sticker. So on the uh, on the beer fridge out here is what I call the uh, the gutter man cave uh, fridge of shame. And so it's basically a bunch of photos of my friends getting drunk out here in the garage, and uh, so all stuck to my <laughs> stuck to my refrigerator. So now the prints will be much bigger stuck to the refrigerator. So you'll really be able to see uh, the, the crazy look in their eyes when they, they've had one too many, I think. So uh, it should be should be a good, fun little uh, – these uh, instant cameras are perfect for little party situations like that. And, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and every time they come over, they're always like, get out the Polaroid. Well, now it's going to be get out the Kodak So because uh, uh, this <laughs> one's going to shoot out, shoot out big prints. So it should be fun. And I always like to send them home with a couple too. So uh, but I think that's – man, that's the perfect thing for any, any sort of instant camera, whether it be this zinc paper or Polaroid originals or Instax, whatever it may be. If you're going to a party, man, if you bring one of those, it always uh, brings a, a lot of fun to it. So uh, I think that's a uh, that's I think it's one of the best uses of those cameras. So yeah. But okay, uh, I think that's pretty much a little bit that I've done this week. So uh, I think we'll go ahead and uh, I, as it, it shouldn't. This time I actually have an excuse for not doing photography, but normally I normally it's some lame ass excuse. This one this one's real, but uh, okay, <laughs> maybe I'll. <laughs> All you have to do is get inebriated. Uh, oh, that's three. I've been holding on to that one for <laughs> like five minutes. <laughs> oh, my oh my God. That's, that's so, that's so good. That's so good. Uh, that's making me, uh, you know what? Just uh, asking you on is really making me swell up with pride here. But uh, so. <laughs> so, Hopefully just your uh, knee though. Right. Oh. Yikes. I'm sorry, is this a family uh, show? <laughs> no, this is not a family no. show. So. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm going to have to uh, uh, get myself stuff together here. And uh, we're going to we're gonna take a break. And uh, we'll come back in the next segment with questions from the Facebook group to Jess Jones. And I'm sure that'll be entertaining as well. So uh, we'll go ahead and take a break. And we'll be right back, folks. 
right, folks, we're back from uh, the break. And this is the segment where we like to ask members of the Negative Positives Film Photography Podcast Facebook group to uh, ask questions to whoever our guest is. So this week, again, they come through with some great questions to Jessica Jones. So, uh, Bill, what's uh, first up from the Facebook group? All right. Well, uh, we have the first question from Matt Murray from uh, Matt Loves Cameras. Yes. And uh, he asks, how much Polaroid slash Fujifilm peel part film do you have left? Do you ever shoot with Instax? Well, uh, as far as Fujifilm, I probably have about 50 to 60 boxes of FP100C. Wow. Probably only 20-ish boxes of 3000B. Oh, it's a beautiful film. Yeah, yeah. And then I have various mixed bag boxes of Polaroid peel-apart film, like the uh, 669, some 667. Um, And I have one pack of Fuji Silk that someone gave to me. Nice. Oh, that wow. I can't bring myself to shoot because I've never <laughs> shot silk and I, I'll probably do it while I'm on my deathbed. <laughs> so, so how yeah. does the Polaroid uh, pill apart that you still have, how's it been holding up? Cause I know it's kind of the point where a lot of people say it's like drying up and stuff like that. Are you, yeah. are you finding that or are you, how are you still having good luck with it? So statistically I probably have one in five boxes dry out on me. Um, mm. So it's it's worth it. It's worth trying to get it because these days you can get a double pack of 669 cheaper than you can FP. And it's never going to be perfect, but that's what I love about it. You know, you might get a, a dry patch here and there, but the image will still look super cool. Yeah, I do get a lot of speckled spots on some of the films. Some of the 669 is better than others because there's there are some packs that are eight packs, some packs that are 10 packs and depending on when it was made, um, some are better than others, but I, I absolutely love that film. Mm-hmm. I really do. So it's, it's worth it. It's worth going for it. I wonder if like the black and white pill apart instant films are, if they last longer than the color, like just like, you know, like they say black and white film will last longer than color film and storage or whatever. I wonder what? if it's the same with the pill apart or if it's. I'm not if, sure. Uh, I, I've had various people reach out to me actually asking if I've had color shifts in my color FP film. And mm-hmm. I personally haven't. They've sent me sample images of packs that they've shot where they'll have a green or a blue cast on it. Um, and I haven't experienced that yet. I do keep mine in the fridge. I don't know. I, I'm not super careful with it. Sometimes I'll, I'll bring a pack with me and then leave it out for months before I remember that I have that pack in my bag and I'll shoot it. And I will say that weather affects it more than anything. So yeah, when I lived in Florida, that film suffered because it was so humid that it would just melt all over the place. And Mm. living in Virginia has, while it's still humid, it's not, you know, you get three bad months out of the year, the rest of the year, it shoots great, except for when it's snowing. But, um, (laughs) right. It, it's all held up pretty well for me. I can't say that any of my packs have, have disappointed me yet. Um, there, I've had troubles with cameras, but I haven't Mm -hmm. had, troubles with the packs themselves um but as far as instax i do shoot instax as well i don't 
really shoot Instax in the Instax cameras very often. I shoot the Instax minis in the backs of the cameras that I already have, which I know someone asked me about the Blob series, so I can talk about that later, but I will shoot the Instax wide in the back of my large format cameras too. So I do shoot those because they're a lot of fun to play with. And the color rendering is actually pretty great. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't like the cameras for Instax film. So have you, have you had trouble? I, I put in a, I guess it was last summer. I put a pack of uh, the Fuji FP 100 C and a Polaroid 450 uh, land camera. And it's, it's one of those that has like a timer on the like the timer on the back of it, and the first couple of uh, photos were so hard to get out. Like I would rip the tabs and stuff because uh, it was so tight in that camera. Something with that, particularly that camera, I think, or any of the ones that have like this little timer on the back. Uh, there's a little little. Uh, it makes it a little tighter on the FP100, and I wonder if you run into that problem or do you, maybe you don't have a camera that has a little timer thing on the back of it, but, uh, but I, I have another land camera that doesn't have that. So I think in the future, I'm going to use that one because uh, this 450 is an awesome camera. It's all metal. It has a, has like a Zeiss rangefinder on it. And yeah, uh, yeah it's a re- in a glass lens. It's, a, it's a, one of the better ones, but it's just those first couple of shots were so hard to get out without ripping the tabs that I was, I was a little worried about using that camera going forward with that film. Have you, have you run into that or is it just uh Maybe that particular camera I have, maybe. I don't know. So funny enough, in the Pack Film Facebook group, someone brought this issue up mm-hmm. that she didn't want to buy the 450 because of the timer situation. And at first, I didn't understand what she was talking about because I mm-hmm. have the 100, the 250, the 350, and the 450s. And I guess people have removed the timers so that it yeah. doesn't make it so tight in there but honestly i never knew that 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 was the cause of why it would be so tight in those first shots all i do is pop the back open very slightly okay and pull it out okay and it, it's always been fine for me i didn't realize that that was why that was the case awesome. um oh. but yeah i just opened the back but not only clicking just the a, little yeah, clicker yeah. and then just mm-hmm. pulling it out and then it's fine for the rest of the pack. So I don't have any problem with it, but see, I guess folks, you can remove the timer. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like your idea better. It, uh, well, I don't have to do any modifications. That's a real, yeah. uh, it's a real pro tip there. I yeah. Well, That's... it's never, <laughs> it's never like messed up my film or anything. Cause I've done that plenty of times and it's been fine. So I just pop the back open and pull it out. Because I, I usually have to do that with that first pull tab anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's fine. Because I aside from my Polaroid 110, the modified version, I've mm-hmm. always shot with my 450, or at least the majority with the 450 out of those four Zeiss models. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you can just pop the back open and pull it out. It's fine. Perfect. Okay, I'll have to do that next time. I, I'd yeah. rather use the 450. It's an awesome camera. So yeah. Yeah. I uh, mean, you can shield it, you know, with your body. Try not to do it like right in front of the sun or something. But right, you'll be fine. Perfect. Okay. Awesome. All right, Bill. Are we moving on? Or did you have anything on that? Uh, no, I actually had a follow-up question. Going back to the uh, the film that you had drying up and everything. Did you have you? We kind of talked about this on a previous episode with Stephen because he uh, he shoots way more 
impact film than I do and in, in, uh, instant. Um, one of the methods that people have been trying is refreezing the film to reintroduce that moisture. So they'll freeze it, thaw it out, freeze it a couple more times, do that whole process. Have you ever done that? Like, have you gone through that process? No, no, I haven't. I haven't heard of that. Um, sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Uh, it is. Usually if I feel like if I find out it's dry, it's too late. Mm-hmm. Um, and since it's, it's more rare that I get a dry pack than not, then it's just not something that I ever do. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. But yeah, if, think, it, if it is something you're concerned about, then it's worth a shot. Why not? Yeah. Yeah, I think you talked about that on your podcast, right, Bill? I think I remember that, right? Yeah, yeah. And I've yet to have come across anybody that has, like, actually tried it out or Mm -hmm. or has a success story in talking about that. So, um, Stephen on our show is, uh, he's Mr. Know-it-all, and I'm on a quest to find him wrong on something. (laughs) Well, I will say, you shouldn't put your, if you're going to put your pack film in the freezer, it should go from the fridge to freezer because pack film isn't meant to be frozen, but you can freeze it if it's going from fridge to freezer and not room temp to freezer. Okay. Mm. Makes sense. But that's, that's a lot. That's, I mean, if you're shooting Fuji, you shouldn't need to do that. If you're shooting Polaroid, hopefully you're not having to spend that much money on it where it's going to make that big of a difference. But if you are concerned, if say if you shoot the first pack of the two pack and that happens, then sure, I would give it a shot. I'll, I'll have to try that. Awesome. Cool. Well, yeah, report back if you have success with it. and, and Or if it doesn't work, uh, tell Bill so he can make fun of his co-host. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, there have been times where I'm like, ha, I got you wrong, and then I was wrong, and I'm like, Damn it. Well, so. I mean, so I will, having gone to Policon where a lot of people shoot pack film, I've mm-hmm. not ever heard anyone say anything about that, um, but it's something worth asking about. So I'll definitely have to ask my Pola friends. It's or, sorry, me. it's they're called Pola Pals. I don't want to back that up. But. <laughs> it's, it's making me laugh every time I take a swig of this beer and I put it down on my desk. You hear this. It's, got, it's, a, it's a big thump, man. This is that a, this sounds is a like it's beer. a little too full, Mike. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting through it. It's 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 about half, but yeah, it's, that's a that's a lot of that's a, some heavy metal going on there. But uh, so, <laughs> all right, Bill, what, what we got next? All right, so we have another uh, message, or well, uh, Stuart Skeen, Skeeny, Skinny, Skinny, Skinny. I'm, I don't know. I'm terrible with names, just like you, Mike. Um, <laughs> that's, why, that's why I have the other people read the questions. <laughs> yes. So no shame, no shame. So I'm so sorry, Stuart. Uh, hi, Mike. What's the time difference to Australia? I'd be happy to talk Australian fire ground film photography. Be keen. Not oh, sure wow. if that was. Yeah. That was probably directed. To, he probably just put that in the wrong thread. But uh, I've had um, Matt Murray on from Australia. Let me think what it was. I think when I recorded here at 10 p.m. Eastern time, I believe it was around noon, Matt Murray's time in Australia. So I guess you guys are about, I don't know, it's like 12, 12 hours difference, something like that. I think it's somewhere around there. But yeah, it's possible if you can record on a tuesday afternoon or something like that then uh yeah it's possible we can make that happen so uh just uh yeah to any australians that want to come on so yeah that's if you're available tuesday afternoons and it probably lines up with our monday night recording so uh okay. i will go ahead and just ruin your australian demographic and just say dingo ate my baby <laughs> i was thinking it but i didn't say it <laughs> 
right, all right. The, there goes the three fans I have in Australia. So. <laughs> <laughs> it probably ruined my demographic too. So <laughs> sorry, we're in it together. Uh, right. Message from uh, Matt Jones. Yes, JJ, can you describe how you made the Blob series of images? They are pretty fantastic. MJ, that is a great question. So, I got a degree in archaeology, but I was interested in film photography. So, they actually, I was the only person that would show up every day for classes, even when I wasn't in them. So, they let me do a direct independent study where I got to, I guess, through the university, legally sit in on film classes that I wasn't supposed to be taking. So one of them was an alternative photograph class with Professor Trice, thanks to him. And it was a class where we could experiment, make our own cameras, shoot all these weird funky cameras, use all this funky film. It was everything I ever dreamed of. And I I, I got to learn things that I never got to experiment with otherwise, like, pill, I don't know, just all kinds of films and pinhole cameras. And we had to build our own camera. So I made a camera, like a spy camera, out of a plant that I set up. And it wasn't really a spy camera because I was standing right there taking the top <laughs> off of this plant. <laughs> Every time look someone walked away, by, folks. and they're like, nothing. what the hell is she doing with this plant? <laughs> but nothing to see here, I, folks. Move along. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I made a pinhole out of a plant and would, I used Instax Mini film, and I was just rolling it out in a dark bag with a brayer roller. And it would just create all of these blobs because sometimes you could overroll it and it would explode chemicals everywhere. Or you could roll it a little bit and it wouldn't cover the whole film plane and it would create these blobs of colors and small sections of images of what's around you. And that's kind of how it started. And I just called them the blobs and it was this project that I kind of fell in love with and it was just this project that I had on my website for a while. And a few years later, it got picked up by this great um, art company called Lumatrix. They found me online somehow. I'm not really sure how, but they picked up that series. So I sell it through them, which is really awesome. They're based out of London, but they kind of expanded that blob series and it's, it's just a really fun little experiment that I did. And I suggest everyone to try shooting with insects film in the cameras that they have or in homemade pinhole cameras because it's just a lot of fun. There's, not, there's no secret to it. Mm-hmm. It's just a lot of fun to play with. And that's, this, how, that's how that happened. Is this process something that you dreamt up yourself or did somebody teach you this or where did you? It just came from playing because they have the little, you know, they have the little packs at the bottom and you can feel them and they're squishy. Mm. And it's like, oh, I could just get that on Amazon. It's super cheap. I don't have to use my, because I used my pack film for a lot of the other projects. And this was before, obviously it was discontinued. So that was still relatively inexpensive, but insects was, was still relatively cheap and mm. like the two packs 
for the price of one pack of FP100. So I was able to use a lot of that for my projects and it wouldn't cost me as much. And it just kind of stemmed from there. I just, it was a lot of experimenting because, you know, you'll start a project and it ends up going 20 different ways. And that's kind of how this happened. Hmm. Um, yeah. Very awesome. Wow. I got, uh, a, got a mad scientist on the podcast tonight. So, it's, yeah. it's fun to experiment. Yeah. Hell yeah. Now, one thing that I really struggled with, um, and I've never done pinhole, but I've done some like macro shots on uh, pack film with my four by five. Did you like? Have you ever played around with like the reciprocity times or anything along those lines? Like, have you ever like done long exposures and try to calculate how long it should be? Oh, I have done plenty of long exposures. I am a messy shooter. I don't <laughs> write a lot of stuff down. Uh, but I have done long exposures. I couldn't tell you any of the specifics. I will say that over the years, um, my friend Dave Rollins, I'm sure a lot of people know who he is. He's out of California and he has posted some excellent YouTube videos on how to shoot insects in large format cameras. And he actually does a lot of long exposures and probably will tell you the specifics of that reciprocity failure and all that stuff in a heartbeat. Um, yeah. he loves to talk about that stuff. So I couldn't tell you any details cause I just kind of throw it in and do what I want. But he, he's definitely more of a master of that kind of thing. Oh, cool. So have you done like, I guess what is like the longest exposure you've ever done on, uh, with your pinhole and your, um, large form or your, uh, pack film? I have left things open for, couple hours and I've left things open for five minutes Wow! everywhere in between. And I've definitely ruined plenty of film. So don't get me <laughs> wrong. It's not a cheap hobby, but you all already know. That. I don't have to tell you that. Right. 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 Yeah. And, I get turned off really quick when I mess up a shot. I'm like, Nope, I'm done. I'm done. I, yeah. <laughs> in sex, I don't feel bad about it because that stuff I can just keep getting and that's fine. And I don't even think twice about it. Cause I, I've, feel like if I did, that would take the fun out of it. Pack film now, I'm very stingy with. I don't just shoot that willy-nilly. So, mm, um, yeah, But insects, I don't care. Yeah, they, that ain't going away anytime soon. So, yeah. No. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. everywhere. Yep, yep. Okay, uh, Bill, what we got up next? All right. So uh, the next question is from Dale Rogers. Uh, that's an easy name, so hurrah for Bill. Uh, <laughs> JJ, uh, I said, wow, the, the alcohol is already starting to kick in. Uh, <laughs> Good, my plan is still working. Yes. So I'm not seeing things yet. <laughs> the rabbit hasn't appeared for him yet. <laughs> Dale Rogers says, JJ, I'm inspired by your intimate landscapes. I notice most are shot with the Marmia. 6.7 or the Olympus uh, OM1N. Do you find use... Uh, do you, uh, wow. Do you find you use particular cameras for each genre? If so, how would you characterize the preferred genre of your most used cameras? Yeah, I don't know about the second question, but I, <laughs> I pretty much use all my cameras for everything. Um, I will say that I prefer my medium and large format for everything. I don't shoot 35 as much. Um, I just, I love 
medium and large format, it's really hard to go back to 35 once you have 120 negatives or pack film negatives even, or large format negatives. Um, so it is mostly landscapes or just anything that's around me anywhere that I am. I don't shoot people as often. And if I am shooting people, I will take in, into consideration. I probably won't shoot square, but I don't shoot square super often. Um, but if I am shooting people, it will likely be on the Mamiya because it's easy to switch from landscape orientation to portrait orientation. So that's probably the only little thing that'll influence which camera that I'm using. But I shoot everything all the time. I'm all over what, the place. I, you know, I, I was going to ask that. I'm, well, actually, I have two questions here. But first of all, on the on the FP100C is something I want to try. I haven't tried yet when I do shoot uh, whatever packs I end up keeping. Uh, have you done the thing? I'm, I'm assuming you do the thing where you recover the, the negatives by using some bleach and getting the, the you know the, the black stuff off the, the back of the negative or whatever. Have you, do you recover the negatives that way? Or uh, Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That is how, the how, best negative of oh, yeah. all the negatives. Like King negative nice yeah it's a pretty large size negative true too well that and the colors are bonkers Mm -hmm. like sometimes i'll bleach them all the same way but sometimes one negative will have these crazy purples and blues sometimes it's very true to the image itself sometimes it's a hot mess and you can't even tell what i took a photo of And And that's what I love about it. I've heard that when you want to recover the negatives that you should, I don't know, I think I was reading somewhere or heard somewhere that you should either underexpose the print or overexpose the print or something like that. But do you just shoot it like what it's regularly, you know, metered at and just let the negative fall where it's going to fall? Or do you actually shoot uh, a certain way for the print so that the negative will come out better? Or do you you make any exposure adjustments to get the negative where you want it? Or you just shoot it and let it do its thing? I usually will underexpose slightly uh, just for that reason, because I do love the negatives more than the positives. Mm -hmm. That being said, sometimes when I'm traveling, I will take a photo of someone that I meet and I'll want to give them the positive. So I'll shoot it at as corrective an exposure as I can get and give them that good positive. And the negative usually is still going to be excellent. Okay. If you do overexpose it, even a little, if it looks too bright, you may as well not save that negative because it's not going to be anything worthwhile to you. But okay. at its correct speed, and if you underexpose it, it's going to be great. But I do like I do like to underexpose it a little bit just for that reason because the negatives are so much more beautiful than the positives, and oh. they are just every time I bleach one and I scan it in, it reminds me of like, oh my God, that's why I love this film because of these negatives. Now, that being said, the black and white is still beautiful. I love the 3000B and you can scan in those negatives on just any regular flatbed scanner because you can't bleach those. Mm -hmm. And those can look really cool too, but there is nothing like the 100C negatives. They're just fantastic. Well, that's that's exactly what I wanted to hear about the the under slight underexposure would be better. I, th- I thought that I'd heard something about that. Yeah. Uh, one one follow up to that is so you're out in the field and you're taking shots on FP100C 
And obviously, I think the thing about the Fuji pack film is it can't really overdevelop. It stops when it gets like you can't you can leave it closed for as long as you want. Right. It, it, I think it self defeats or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and so but say you like you just mentioned giving somebody the print and keeping the negative. How do you keep the negative? Uh, is, do you how do you store that until you can get it back home and bleach it? Is it, do you worry about like it drying out or you know, can it dry out or what's the problem with you know waiting a little while when you're out shooting somewhere and bringing those negatives home when it maybe takes a couple hours before you can get to those negatives and bleach them or whatever? Have you had any trouble there? How, what's your process there? Because that's that was the thing I was kind of wondering if I go out with my pack film camera and I want to you know bring these negatives home and 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 bleach them. What do I need to do from being out in the field to going home and doing that? So. If if I happen to be giving someone a positive and I have to peel it there uh-huh. and I keep the negative, usually I'll just kind of stick that negative uh, tab into the outer pocket of the bag that I have and let it dry. And it doesn't take a long time to dry. And then I can just throw it in the bag or in the baggie that I have. Or mm-hmm. I'll use the box that the pack film came in. Um, mm-hmm. You don't have to worry about hurting the negative too much. Uh, just so long as you let it dry, the positive takes longer to dry than the negative does. So okay. if I have to peel it there, then I'll just let that negative dry and then throw it back in my bag. But okay. if I'm not, I usually don't peel my stuff until I get home or until I get into my car. Mm-hmm. And then I'll peel it and let it dry on my dashboard or my seat while I'm driving home. Because um, okay. it does self-terminate. And... I actually, so I do the reverse peel, which pisses some people off. I know some people hate it, whatever. (laughs) I love it because the image bleeds into the borders on the side. And I think that's part of my image and that's what I like. Mm. Uh, So when you wait to peel it, the goop color at the end turns all of these really cool, like pink or red colors and it, or yellow if it's black and white and it's, becomes part of the image for me that I really like. If I peel it right away, it doesn't have those cool colors, but I do peel it later when I get home and the image is fine. Only if it's humid and hot outside, if you choose, I'm sure Kentucky gets just as hot in the summer. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. If you choose to shoot in the summer, I wouldn't recommend it because it won't do you any good unless you're just peeling it the regular way. But, um, yeah, you can wait till you get home to peel it. There's no, okay. there's no reason to peel it right away. Um, explain they do re- make those. Explain reverse peel, going from the other end rather than the end you're supposed to start from peeling. Yeah. It? Okay. Okay. Yeah. So the tab side or the goop side doesn't matter. You can just peel apart that tab side right down the middle and pull it apart so it leaves the borders along the side, mm. and. It's very controversial for whatever reason. A lot of people <laughs> really don't like it. They like that classic white border, but I don't uh-huh. like scanning in the white borders because then I have to adjust the white to some kind of gray color for it to sure. show up. And I uh-huh. don't know. That's not something I feel like doing. I like the the reverse peel because that image bleeds in and you know that it's not edited or straightened because the image bleeds over and it matches up. And I kind of like that. I like that for whatever reason. Oh, that's um, cool. Yeah. And it's, it's personal preference and I don't think it matters which way you do it. It really doesn't matter. Um, but There's no tools in photography. Come on. No, no, I don't know why anyone cares, but <laughs> uh, it's a hot topic and they do make these 3d 
pack film holders where you can, if you're peeling it the regular way, you can slide in a positive into one of the holders and the negative into the other negative holder. Um, and I had both of those that someone sent me, but I never used them. And mm. cause just cause I peeled them whenever I got home mm -hmm. and I sold them to somebody else. And a lot of people like to use those. So you're welcome to pick those up if you have to peel them all in the field. Granted, I will usually peel one or two because I like to take that like live shot of you holding it wherever oh, you're yeah. at, which is always really cool. But you just you let it dry. You hang out in the spot for a while. It's no big deal. Okay. Okay. Bill, you got anything or are we moving on? Uh, no, I did have a, a question. So like uh, when you do the lifts, I guess my concern or the issue that I had um, was the scanning and the colors never seemed to be right. Like, did you have a process as far as when you're doing those negatives, as far as like getting colors and all that stuff accurate? Sometimes, uh, every negative has a mind of its own. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it depends if you, if you happen to scratch off a piece of that image from the negative and that little dot, is selected when you're trying to uh, pick your scan selection in the scanning software that will alter the look of your scan. So usually what I do is just select a small section where there's no blemishes and let it, I don't know what kind of software you use. There's Silverfast and there's the Epson scan. I usually just use Epson scan for pack film negatives mm -hmm. and um, I just select a little section and you can click that little button where it will change it from a negative to a positive for you. And that usually sets the color range for what it's supposed to be for me. And if I get bleach on it, the colors will be kind of crazy. And I usually try not to select that bleach spot in my selection as well. Um, but it is kind of all over the map sometimes. There's definitely stuff on my feed that looks nuts and there's stuff in my feed that looks like it's supposed to look, but I am someone that likes all of it. So right. I think it's just personal preference, but yeah. Yeah. So the, the Polaroid shots we see on your Instagram feed, are those all the negative scans or any of those, uh, the, the positive scan? Oh, they're, they're both. So usually uh -huh. for my feed, um, the borders will be in, the positive scans, but the borders are also in a lot of negatives where you'll see a lot of uh, greens and it won't be as clear cut of a border. It'll be kind of jaggedy and stuff. And you can see the lines of like kind of emulsion moving around or something on a negative. If it's really bright and bursty, it's usually a negative. Mm. Uh, the positives will be kind of more classic, traditional looking, yeah. I feel like. A little more muted, sort of. Yeah. Yeah, and the borders will be much more defined. Okay. For positives. Okay, cool. So, what what is your process when it comes to uh, taking the bleach off? Because I guess, like, what I do is I take uh, like an eight by ten sheet of glass, and then I use painter's tape, and I and I kind of try to tape down the 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 black side of the negative. Um, and then I usually kind of bleach it and wash it off. What's your process when, when you're cleaning that negative off? I actually used to do that too. Uh, I use like a plexiglass. Oh, okay, yeah. huge. I used to use a huge plexiglass piece 
and I would use uh, electrical tape to tape them down. And it was such a process. And then one day someone messaged me and I'm so sorry, I can't remember who it was because it was years ago. But they messaged me and they're like, why are you doing it this super hard way? All you need to do is wet two negatives and smoosh them together and just kind of uh, clamp them down with your fingers to kind of get a bubble out and just kind of swish it around in a bowl of bleach for not even five seconds and rinse it off and that, that back just comes right off. Huh. And really? you can just yeah, and you can just peel them apart, put them in some warm water to wipe that goopy side off, and then I hang them. And it's so much faster because I I used to do that tape method. So I actually Dave Rollins again, who shoots a lot of pack film. I he we're all in like a a group called Space Pod for lack of a better name, but we did like a little <laughs> photo book together a while ago, and he's in our group. And he did the same method as me. And I was like, hey, someone just sent me this way of doing it. You should do this. So he's been doing it too. And he made a YouTube video of that process. So I highly recommend looking at Dave's YouTube video of how he just wets them and sticks them together and just swishes it around. And that black side just comes right off. And it's so much quicker and easier. That's really cool. It makes sense. Like, you know, because I guess now I'm getting technical here, but like you're kind of like creating a vacuum where you're kind of yeah. protecting the two, the two negatives together, and then you're washing everything around. That is fascinating. Yes. I love that so, idea. I again, I'm very messy with it, and sometimes I'll get bleach spots because I welcome that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. most of mine are pretty clean. If you look on my feed, there's plenty of them without the bleach spots. Um, but it is so much easier and it saves you a lot of time. And I just got rid of that little plexiglass. I used to have a glass one and I kept breaking it in the sink yeah. with my film attached to it. So then I went to Home Depot, got a plexiglass, but I don't even use that anymore. Now I just do the stick, stick them to each other method, which can be cool if you do end up getting a bleach spot because it'll be on both sides. Mm. On both negatives. And so they kind of match. And depending on if you're doing two that are similar to one another or two that are totally different. It's kind of neat to get that same little bleach spot on both of them. I've got some cool, like fiery looking ones and, but you could do it without getting those spots too. Awesome. Awesome. Well, yeah. Man. Yeah. Le- learning stuff here tonight, Bill learning stuff, but uh, yep. yeah. the more, you know, <laughs> <laughs> all right, Bill, what we got up next? All right, cool. Well, same question from uh, well, same uh, person, Dale Rogers asked, "What's your favorite Olympus mount lens?" Same, same, but different. Dale, so I only have one lens for my Olympus OM. That's all it needs is the fifty millimeter one point four lens. I mean, I have two OM one ends. I have the classic silver, and I have the all black because I like it murdered out. And I just have the fifty millimeter on both of them. Um, I don't shoot 35 as much when I do shoot 35, I'll often shoot it in my Holga or medium format cameras. Cause I like the sprockets. It's fun, but all I need is that 50 millimeter. I don't need anything else. I'm a simple lady. Yeah. 50 is my favorite focal length. So I, I yeah. could, if I had to pick one lens, that would be the one. So yeah. Yeah. If I'm getting sounds. fancy, I'm going to shoot medium format. There you go. I hear you. I hear you. Yep. Cool. All right. Jessica uh, Jones 
says, can't wait to crack open those beers with you guys. <laughs> what yeah. a weirdo. It's getting, it's getting a little lighter. A little lighter. So, yeah. <laughs> Mine's starting to get down to the bottom of mine. <laughs> These cans are so big, I'm wondering how much how much content of backwash is going to be at the bottom of this can. By the time I get Are you drinking it straight from the can? Holy yeah. It's, it's a working man's pie. That's what I'm doing. Am, am oh I not doing God. it right? You know, no, there's no wrong way, guys. <laughs> no, no wrong Solve way to get drunk. <laughs> Damn, y'all are drinking straight from the can. I like your style. Yeah, it's, it's, the way, it's the way the working men do it, man. You know, yeah. All right. <laughs> so, well, and I'm probably going to offend the Australian demographic again, but it reminds me of drinking like one of the Foster oil cans. Yeah, right, right. And I, apparently, <laughs> I, th- I think they hate Fosters, right? Isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're Australians. <laughs> like Strike two get a blooming onion and call it a day oh there we go <laughs> oh uh, it's okay. okay my first restaurant job was outback steakhouse so i'm like half australian just by proxy <laughs> <laughs> well if i had any australian listeners i, I don't anymore so uh, i don't have to worry about that time zone difference anymore <laughs> we right? just offended so, uh... <laughs> the all three listeners <laughs> If anything, I think we won more. So uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see about that. I'll, I'll check the stats after this thing goes live. So, uh, but uh, yeah. Uh, all right. So, uh, okay. That was well, that was your je- question to yourself. Your comment to yourself. So, would we anything anything left on there, Bill? What else we got? Yes, uh, we got a, a few. So we'll okay. we'll try to rifle through them. Uh, Sam Warner asks. I noticed you use the waist level finder when shooting your Pentax six seven. How do you find it compared to a prism finder? And do you think the different shooting experience has an effect on the finished image or your approach to the composition? Oh, wait a minute. We got three Pentax 6.7 fans on this show at one time. Is that right? Oh, man. (laughs) Um, So, yes, I do shoot a Pentax 6.7. I also shoot the Mamiya 6.7. I have have a prism finder... two of them for my Pentax X7 and I only shoot waist level on the Mamiya. I love waist level finders. The view is beautiful. I feel like I can see through them more clearly. The, the Pentax X7 prisms. I did have the TTL meter initially. I used to have three of these cameras because Mm. someone sent me three. Now I just have the two. And I got rid of the TTL meter because uh, it wasn't for me, and it was pretty heavy. I don't shoot the prism finder on those cameras just because it makes those cameras a lot heavier. Um, Yeah, so I prefer my Mamiya over my Pentax. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, I'm sorry. I love them them both for their different reasons. If I travel, I usually, so I'll, I'll travel and I'll bring my Pentax 6.7. I won't bring the Mamiya. I'll travel my Pentax and I'll travel with a Polaroid camera, a pack film camera. And I'm usually backpacking and that is a heavy those are heavy cameras mm-hmm. to bring in an extra bag when I'm backpacking. And I know a lot of people poo-poo those cameras for traveling, but I'm no wuss, and I bring them with me. 
Mm. And <laughs> the prism finder just makes it that much heavier. So I prefer the waist level because it's lighter. I will say that does affect my Pentax shots because I can't shoot portrait mode mm-hmm. and mm. everything will be landscape. Mm-hmm. And it, it does affect my images a little bit, which is one of the reasons why I do love the Mamiya because I can turn the backs to portrait and I prefer that ability. So do you yes, have, you have any trouble with focus uh, like that? Cause I know uh, the Pentax six, seven, now typically I'm using that 105 2.4 lens and I'm almost always on 2.4 because that's why you have that lens. And, uh, but <laughs> I, I, and I, I miss focus occasionally. Like, uh, I took some uh, portraits of my wife recently and you know, if I zoom in, I'm like, yeah, she's in focus, but the eyes aren't as sharp as I'd like them to be. And you know, it, it takes me forever to make sure I have focus on the thing, even with the prism finder that I'm using. So I would just think that the waist level, I guess it depends on if you're not shooting portraits with it, it's not the focus may not be as critical as you don't have to have it right on the eyes, uh, sharp, you or whatever but uh so i guess it may be depending on what your kind of photography you're taking with it but it seems like the the waist level would be a lot harder to focus i, I don't know you, do you find that or is it am i just uh imagining it my eyes are terrible and i wear contacts <laughs> and glasses um which okay. is another reason why i prefer the waist level because i don't have to put my eyes up to it um i can see better through waist level but that's also another reason why i shoot if I'm home, I shoot more of my Mamiya because it is a clearer view. Okay. Uh, I will miss focus much more on my Pentax than on my Mamiya. On my Mamiya, I'll get it 90% of the time. On my Pentax, I'm like 75%. It's just not as bright and it's not as clear. And I don't know if that's because I I have the 6x7 six, six and I have the 6x7, but not like the, the newest mm-hmm. models. And I have the middle uh, lenses, the super multi-coated Takamars on my Pentax 67, so it's not also the most sought-after SMC. Um, so I don't know if that's part of the reason, but I can see so much clearer through my Mamiya than I can my Pentax. So that that's part of it. When I'm traveling, it won't matter as much. I'm not shooting as many portraits. I'm usually shooting landscapes, um, so... I'm not shooting at 2.4. I'm usually at like F8 or F11, something like that. So it's not a big deal. But it that that does affect. If I shoot with a prism, it'd be a lot easier to shoot portrait. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it does affect it. But usually if I'm doing that, I'm with my Momia anyway. So what I'm hearing out of this conversation is being that you're a big Mamiya fan, that you must also have a, a real penchant for like uh, canned pasta, right? Because... <laughs> Mamma mia, yeah. <laughs> right? Well, I, I make my own homemade pasta. <laughs> so. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, Mamiya makes a fine line of uh, generic uh, Chef Boyardee. Uh, <laughs> the name uh, is pretty canned pasta. Yeah. I will say that. I will say that. Uh, I love them both. I really do. I mean, I have two Pentax 6.7s and then I have one Mamiya, but I love them both for the different things they do. Sure. When I'm on the go, it's my Pentax. When I have my giant low pro bag and I have my car, it's my Mamiya. And I handhold. I'm not a tripod shooter. So people that complain about the weight, suck it up. Because if I can (laughs) do it, you can do it. Right. I don't know if I've had my 6.7 on a a tripod yet. I don't think I have, to be honest with you. I I don't even have a heavy tripod. Mine is like a Manfrotto B-free. It's for light stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'll 
use it sometimes if I'm going to do like pan shots, because I do that a lot with my Polaroids where I'll do a diptych or a triptych or something, but mm. I don't I don't use my tripod a lot, especially when I'm traveling. I just don't bring it with me. Yeah, yeah, I hear you on that. Bill, you got anything or are we moving on? Uh, yeah, no, I, I like... Um, I, I've You like canned pasta? That- <laughs> uh, I was, first of all, I was going to say that... I think to describe Mamiya's, because now we got one for Rolly, we got one for Hasselblad, <laughs> uh, that the Mamiya will have to be in an Italian accent like Super Mario. <laughs> Mamiya! 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 Yes. So, uh, I think you've just started another tradition on this podcast that people yes. are growing, growing about. So they go. <laughs> Most excellent. So, um, no, I was going to say that I really do... Uh, I, I have been drawn to... Uh, larger formats more often because I find focusing has been a lot easier on my eyes. Um, like it's hard to explain, but like when you get there with focus, like it just kind of like you see this pop, right? You know, it's just like you, yeah, it's man, it's so hard to explain, but like when you're adjusting the focus, I see it all the time, a four by five. I've heard it described the same way in larger formats, like eight by 10 and all that, where, um, I think Brian Garris, one of our guests that we had on the show, he does a lot of huge, uh, format. Like he does the, was that the, um, the two eight by tens together, you know, the 10 by, uh, or it was 16 by twenties or whatever. Anyway. So, um, he, uh, he talks about like when your focus like gets there, like your eyes just like immediately like or is attracted to it and Mm. i see that a lot with the six seven so um i don't necessarily shoot wide open on the 2.4 as much anymore because um when i start to stop down a little bit that's still that that hashtag bokeh bros uh look is still there (laughs) right yeah yeah i'm missing out on the bokeh bros (laughs) don't let don't worry about those guys (laughs) Um, so, but, um, but I mean, no, I mean, larger formats is six, seven. I, I do see it with the, the hash squad. Um, and I've been really, uh, drawn to those types of formats just cause it's a lot easier in my eyes where 35 millimeter is such a small viewfinder and getting the focus right for me has been less, uh, um, pleasurable, I guess, you know? Mm-hmm. So like. With the the Leica M6 now, you know I'm doing a lot more, uh, you know, zone focusing with it and Leica. The Leica. (laughs) Um, But you know, it's it's different shooting styles, right? That fit, and so I'm not shooting as much 35 millimeter uh, SLRs because of just how my eyes are interacting with the camera. And it's not necessarily a right or wrong thing. It's just you know, you use a tool, right? And you're not going to sure. use a tool if you're not using it correctly, right? Makes sense. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I have a little trouble, I think, with the six seven because I, I insist on using it at two point four, <laughs> and and man, it is razor thin on that on that depth of field, and you don't get the eyes sharp, man. It, that's you know that that that's that'll make or break a, a portrait. So uh, I, I've got to be a little. I wish I had like a split prism uh, in there or something, you know. But mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, it's a. Uh, uh, it's a little difficult. I may have to start <laughs> going to a little, a little different apertures <laughs> a little bit. Go to really 3.5. Just play around with it. I'm serious, <laughs> right, dude. Go right, to like yeah. 3.5 and and you'll still have, 
you know, that nice depth of field and that nicer look. And you'll start seeing your subject is a little bit sharper as well. Yeah, so. makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. so what we got next? All right, so uh, Andrew Bartram says... From, asks, uh, yeah, he's from, uh, let's see, the, gosh, Andrew Bartram, Large Format Photography Podcast and the uh, uh, the Lensless Podcast. So Yes, yeah. sorry. Uh, he says, what is Luke Cage really like in real life? <laughs> Honey, you don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> that is between me and Luke. <laughs> Solving uh, superhero mysteries. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all Jessica right. Jones this... got canceled. She was a little too rough around the edges for Disney, so <laughs> probably won't see her for a long time. From what I've heard of this podcast, you might be a little too rough around the edges. We're <laughs> <laughs> one of the same, baby. <laughs> all right, Bill. What we got? All right, Sherry Christensen asks: Color or black and white? Which one and why? Both, but I will say I'm not as talented in black and white. Um, I love black and white. I love expired, and I know people poo-poo on expired film, whatever. I don't care. I love expired Tri-X film, like Tri-X Pan, where it's the 320. Mm. The It's just so beautiful to shoot with. Um, and I love shooting... HP5 and the regular Tri-X at 1600 or 3200. But I am a color shooter. I think a lot of that has to do with FP100C. Mm -hmm. I love those negative renderings, the crazy colors and shifts that it brings. Um, I shoot a lot of landscapes, which to me, I'm usually capturing the color of the landscapes or the trees or the leaves. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I mostly color, but I love both. Well, that was uh, Sherry Christensen from the Embrace the Grain podcast, and she is still kind of recovering from her fall that she had. So best wishes to Sherry on her recovery so she can get back to putting up some podcasts again uh, in the near future. So uh, um, best of luck to you, Sherry. We're, we're uh, hoping for the, the uh, full recovery there for you. So Get well soon, Sherry. Oh, Absolutely. yeah. All okay. right. The next question. Um, so we do have two more. So uh, Stanley Phillips asks, have you ever tried image lifts with your Fujifilm peel apart? I have. So I've, I've done the emulsion lift where you can boil it and lift that image off of its backing and transfer it onto another surface. A lot of people like to use watercolor paper. And I love doing that as a gift. Um, you could do it with both FP100C and 3000B, though some packs, weirdly enough, and I don't know why, some packs of 3000B, it has not worked for me. I do not know why. I'll have boiled it for 20 minutes and it won't budge. And other packs, it'll work pretty easily. But FP100C, consistently and quickly, you can boil off that image and lift it and glue it to another surface just with like Mod Podge, anything you can get at the hobby store. You cannot do that with other pack films like the Polaroid stock, or I don't know about the the new stocks that are coming out. But uh, yeah, and then you can also do where you shoot the film, open up the peel apart, and quickly stick the negative to another yeah, surface. The transfers, image yeah, transfers. Yeah, the transfers yeah. to. I'm not as good that. at that. 
Yeah, I tried it with. I used to have. I used to do that all the time with the Polaroid uh, pill apart film, and it was always successful. I have had very little success out of doing it with the Fuji pack film. I don't know why the FP one hundred C is what I tried it with, and I blew a whole pack trying to uh, do that. And I was like, "Well, that was a uh, that was a forty dollars experiment. Never doing that again." So <laughs> I've had yeah. some luck in it, and other times not so much. So. Mm. But your negative is still good, even when you do that. You can still, it doesn't hurt anything to try, so sure. it's fine. Okay. okay. But that's why, that's why pack film is so good. You've got the positive, you've got the negative you can bleach, you've got the negative you can transfer, you've got the positive you can lift. Like, that's Polaroid four ways. Does it get right. any better than that in any <laughs> other film? It doesn't. And that's why, Mike, you shouldn't sell off that film. <laughs> <laughs> i hear you i hear you well we'll see we'll see uh see what kind of funds i can come up with uh, some things i need to sell to raise money for a vehicle uh, this 2000 ford focus is on the end of its life so <laughs> so but uh all right bill what we got all right uh, also i wanted to ask have you ever done it with like the the polaroid 600 um i so. haven't i actually have not shot a lot of that film uh when I was younger, I've shot 600 film, and it wasn't until the first Policon that I went to that I even purchased Polaroid Originals. And I love to support all of these companies. It's, it's just not something that I, I had a lot of experience with. So it was only a year and a half ago that I even shot Polaroid Originals, and I haven't done any lifts from that. Um, I just don't, I don't shoot square a lot. Yeah. I have a I have my Ashika mat and I love shooting with that, but it's it's I don't see square, so I don't shoot it a, shoot it a lot. But um, I do need to do that. I do need to do some lifts with that film. Yeah, I can see me doing it, and uh, uh, Polaroid film's not cheap either, so I can see a lot of cussing <laughs> going on. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can't do it with Spectra anymore, so that's yeah, unfortunate. yeah, that nope, is unfortunate. Nope. Yeah. All right, so we are down to our last question. Awesome. Uh, it is with uh, Vicky and Bill Thu. Uh, you seem to have developed a distinct, uh, or excuse me, a distinctive style really early. Do you make gear choices to fit your photography, or do your gear choices change your style? Mm. Um, that's a good question. Sometimes I definitely will shoot more pack film when I'm being experimental. So I'll bring those land cameras that I have. Otherwise, it really just depends on how I'm traveling. And that determines what other cameras that I bring, um, which is usually if I'm going to bring the Pentax or the Mamiya or my Holga, if I need to be really light and on the go or if I want to bring my Yasha Kamat, if I don't mind shooting square. Um, but I think just experimentation is my main thing. Mm -hmm. I'm not always a clean shooter. And a lot of stuff will come out clean just because that's the way it is. But I don't always put all of my experimentation stuff on Instagram. I'll usually save it for something special. But usually I just bring anything, to be mm -hmm. honest. Mm -hmm. Just depends on how I'm traveling how much I want to carry because I'm not a tripod shooter and I, I carry a pretty heavy bag. Oh gosh. My, my bag's ridiculous. And I, 
<laughs> I actually now have two bags that I keep. One I keep keep the Leica in, and usually another thirty five millimeter camera. And then I have one bag dedicated to the six seven. And uh, I'm always thinking, like, am I ever going to carry both these bags? No way in hell. No. Way. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do it. I'll, I bring it all with me. I I don't mind. My back will hurt for a long time, but that's okay because it'll be worth it in the end. But no. I'm only in my 30s. I might regret that in 10 years. <laughs> well, my knees will tell you that you might you might indeed regret that. Yeah. So. <laughs> I was just about to say you might throw out your knee. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I do work on my feet like 10 to 14 <laughs> yeah. hours a day. And I'm I'm starting to really after after 16 years of this, I'm really starting to feel it. So we'll see. There you go. See. There you go. Well, let me tell you, I can tell you this, uh, getting old. Um, yeah. Uh, all that stuff about, you know, you know, uh, I don't know, just the golden years and all that bullshit. Uh, not buying it, not <laughs> buying it one bit. It's not, not, nothing good about it. Not, not seeing it. Yeah. No, I haven't, I'm, I'm still waiting for this, uh, uh, for actually just to actually come off like somebody with wisdom, uh, with age, but actually I'm just the guy that's groaning. You should have saw me walking through the store tonight. I was like, uh, I, I could have been an 80, there's 80 year old guys uh, just passing me up, you know? So, uh, I don't understand what's happening here. I'm, I'm falling apart people, but, um, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, nothing that, uh, this gigantic can of beer can't make me forget about those. So it's exactly. all good. Exactly. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, a huge thanks to, uh, the, the fine folks of the negative positives film photography podcast, Facebook group for some great questions to Jess. And, uh, I don't know about you guys, but uh, I learned a lot there and that was, uh, that was very great. So, uh, uh we're going to take uh, one more break and come back with, uh, you know, some follow-up questions from Bill and I to, uh, to Jess. So, uh, we'll get to that in the next segment. Until then we'll take a little break and be right back folks. folks we're back for the final segment with jessica jones and uh this has been a very fun podcast so uh i'm gonna go ahead and kind of start with the questioning first and uh let bill sober up a little bit so he can come up with a question and then uh, so, uh first thing i kind of wanted to ask jessica you know looking through your instagram uh, uh feed basically i kind of see like i feel like you know in a way uh one of the things that i liked about your photography and one of the reasons i wanted to have you on the show was uh you do a whole lot of uh, different stuff i mean you're into like you know, just what we would consider like straight photography, you know, uh, and also a lot of alternative processes, also a lot of Polaroid, a lot of different unique looks you're getting out of uh, instant photography and all that stuff. And I feel like you know, in a lot, a lot of ways, I'm kind of the same as far as like my photography's all over the place. When I want to go out and shoot, I'm like, do I want to do a Hoga thing today? Or do I want to do uh, try to do something weird or wacky or do I want to shoot straight photography? And sometimes it leads me to like this uh, pulling my hair out kind of situation where, OK, what, am, what, what do I need to take with me? And I always take too much, usually too many cameras and too many things I want to experiment with. But how do you get to the point of like when you're going out to shoot? Do you just take a bunch of different things or do you kind of have a vision like, okay, today I'm going to do this type of photography. I'm going to try something a little more experimental or today I feel like just taking out a really nice camera and shooting some damn sharp, normal, normal photography photos. So how do you, how do you kind of uh, put your head around that? 
Oh my gosh. I don't know, Mike. That's a, that's a great question. Usually it takes me about well, three hours to I'm, pack. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm looking for answers because I'm completely confused. I'm hoping somebody can show me the way. Uh, <laughs> I, ha I have a hard time packing for what I want to do. Um, usually it's going to be multi-camera. I'm always going to bring some kind of instant camera, a medium format camera, a 35 millimeter camera or some kind of experimental camera. Uh, and then I just have to narrow it down based on what I'm going to be doing. So I'm, I'm home visiting my family right now. So someone, someone brought one of those 3d film cameras to mm -hmm. me. One of my regulars brought me one of those to try that he had in storage. So I brought that with me and I did not bring a six by seven camera with me. I just brought a 35 millimeter. So it really, it really depends, but I, I get, I'm all over the place too. I don't mm -hmm. know. I I've never thought that I, I nailed any kind of look because I really do just shoot what's around me. And I, I haven't done a series in a long time. If I'm shooting some kind of series or some kind of project, I'll usually limit it to some kind of film, but it won't, matter so much to me the camera it'll just be what kind of film do i want to shoot with and i can stick that film into any kind of camera and experiment with it and i'll be mm -hmm. happy so well i think the, the thing about like looking through your feed is where i don't necessarily see in mine but maybe it's just we all have a hard time seeing it in our own photography but we see, can see it in others uh but i i feel like looking through your feed like yeah there's a bunch of different cameras here there's a bunch of different processes going on or whatever but like they, there is a you have a there is a style you have a style to your photography and I looked at my through my feed I don't I don't necessarily see that but maybe it's just how we judge our own photography I it's always so. hard to do that but yeah but I, it does seem like your feed is unified even though you're all over the place because I always felt like my love of all these different types of cameras all these different types of looks I can get from strange cameras to perfectly good modern SLRs or whatever all these different looks that actually. Sometimes I feel like maybe that's a detriment to me, like finding a, a particular personal style. I feel like the guy that can just use one camera and one film, it's a little easier for him to lock in on a style or whatever. But I've, because I'm all over the place and I want to try everything, I, I don't feel like I've necessarily nailed it. But I feel like in a way you have. And I don't know if you if you feel you have or if it's just maybe it takes an outsider to say that. I think it's just I think it's just an outsider thing. I I have some people that I'll shoot when I'm out and about people that I'll meet, but for the most part, I, I like photographers that shoot a lot of scenes that are kind of, I wouldn't say lonely, but mm -hmm. alone, uh, because that's kind of what I like. I talk to people all day and I like to be alone a lot. And that's kind of how I shoot, I think is I'm with the trees or I'm with the space and whether that be in the city or at a park or just anywhere that I'm at, I like that aloneness and the the film or the camera won't designate that as much for me as just what I'm shooting. So it's really all over the place, I think. Well, I, I can, I can, uh, actually I can, I can identify with that. I, I have been the guy that even though I'm in a city streets, taking it to the streets, uh, I, uh, a lot of times I'll, I'll let that person walk past my scene. I don't want that person in my scene. I'd rather it be a little more desolate. I have a, I have, I have sort of a, maybe that's why I like your photography because I'm kind of, that's resonating a little bit. I, I kind of, I, I feel like I'm just, not, I'm not really a street photographer. So if I'm on the, in the streets, I don't really want people in there for some reason. And I know a lot of people 
that's definitely not what they're shooting for. But for me, I, I kind of like my photos to be a little lonely like that. So I, I can, I can, I can, I can see that. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah. And, and if I shoot a person, it's someone that I talked to for a while, mm-hmm. and then I'll shoot that person because I have an idea of that person. Um, it's never just someone on the go. It's never in the hustle of bustle. It's something that I took from the meeting of that person and then I will photograph them because I feel like I've got a sense of who they are or something. Okay. And even that in the aloneness of that person, uh, even if they're surrounded by people, I guess, because I'm just around everybody all the time. So I don't, I don't need that. You know, that's not what I'm, what I'm trying to capture. So mm-hmm. whether it be Makes people sense. or landscape, it's usually just going to be just kind of singled out like that, I guess. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. All right, Bill, do you have uh, anything for Jess? Yeah, no, I it, it's a very interesting concept because I try to, at least in my photography, whether it's on the streets or like in landscapes, I almost kind of welcome the human element into mm-hmm. the shots for me because I don't know. I just, I, I love doing studio shoots. I love interacting with people. I um, very much enjoy photographing people. And so, like, if I'm able to capture a moment of, like, a single person by themselves in that shot, like, the bill five years ago, I would say, would be like, oh, my God, dude, get out of my shot, right? <laughs> right. You know, like, seriously, like, I was just about to push the, the shutter. Um, but now it's kind of like I've almost embraced that. And I've, I personally um, have found that my work that where I... There's that one person, like, there's one of my favorite shots I have in Washington, D.C., was I was kind of walked around behind the uh, Lincoln Memorial, and and I was setting up the shot to get the uh, picture of the Washington Monument. And a person walked into the frame, and they took their, or their iPhone or whatever, their mobile phone, and held it up to take a picture of it. And it was just that one person, and I totally capitalized on taking that shot. And and then they walked away, and I took another shot, and I was like, I'm looking at the two images, and I was like, I love the one with the person taking a picture of the Washington Monument. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, that's you know, kind of like an intimate moment, still. It is. It really is. And I, I I've learned to really embrace those types of moments, and not to say that like, you know, finding solitude and a connection with you know, nature around you is so important. And I think that, you know, you certainly should capture things that you connect with because I know like Jordana on our show, she really struggles with, you know, photographing landscapes because she just does not have that kind of connection. She's, she's also into studio shoots and stuff like that. And Mm -hmm. she's like, I just don't see it. And so it, it, she really struggles with that, and she's a fantastic photographer. By the way, yeah. isn't that yeah, amazing? Is. How everyone can be so different in that way. Yeah. Like I've tried studio photography, and man, I get hot and sweaty, and it is <laughs> uncomfortable for me in yeah. a studio. I have mm. to be out and about. Well, I think it's like I, I've seen it time and time again. You, you like I, 
I've been on uh, photo walks with, you know, just a friend or two or whatever. Even like when Andre was in town, we did a photo walk of Louisville or, or the other couple of months ago, uh, John Gregory and Matt Melcher and I went uh, walking around downtown Louisville. And it's, it's funny, you got, we're walking th- around the same scenes, but you know, two or three different photographers all see something different. We're all taking shots yep. of different things. And, and we, and even when we take a shot of something that you think the scene's going to be similar, it's still slight, it's still different. It's always, a, uh, it's really odd how, uh, you can put a bunch of photographers in the same place and they'll all come up with a completely different <laughs> rendition of, uh, yes. of that photograph. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. All right. Well, uh, any more questions, uh, Bill? Um, you know, I guess as far as the, the, the Polaroid stuff, um, cause I, I found the conversation, uh, really fascinating early on segment two. Um, but has there been any kind of concern like with the FP one hundred C like once it's done, mm-hmm. like let's just say your your boxes that you have are pretty much dried up. I mean, what what is the the next step for you as a photographer? We don't talk about that, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think Fuji is sitting on a shitload somewhere in one of, of the films. Just to bring it back as like a it's reunion the tour. Theory, it's the freezer just, theory. <laughs> just like a reunion tour so they can come back like swinging and say, hey, look at all this stuff we have, you know, like get come into my van, check it out. And <laughs> so well, I, I'm, I'm a positive thinker and I know people like to poo-poo that kind of thing. And yeah, I have a little grudge against Fuji, but I still use a lot of their stuff. Sure. And if they come back, I mean, I'm going to fangirl it up. I'm not going to say, no, you hurt me, but it's like a well, bad ex. I'm just going to run they, right back. <laughs> if they bring it back, uh, it'll be made by Ilford anyway. So, you know, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't like to think about that, the end. That, you know, I'm, I'm not a planner. I'm not a planner, so whatever happens will happen. There's there's no end. Someone will figure it out, and if there is an end, then I'll just have to let it go. Yeah, yeah. You know? It would be tough for you because I know that's it's a big part of your process. So you know, it, it uh, is. You know, I I live and breathe pack film goop. It's in my blood. I've swallowed plenty of it. It's in my eyes. Uh, that's why your vision's so bad right well yeah it's probably why my vision's so bad but i never get sick like i'm never sick so it's probably due to all the pack film goop that i've ingested so that's okay that's okay uh but i i don't want to see an end and i don't want to think about the end i'm i i am putting my eggs in that kickstarter i'm hoping that people understand that it's bigger than just pack film that it's just supporting film and if it's not something that you use that's fine but it's it's kind of just supporting film as a whole you know people working on bringing back something that means a lot to the film community Mm -hmm. and uh i think even if you're not purchasing it just talking about it is another good way to support the film community, you know, um, so anything positive you can say about it or sharing the information with other people, I think that's what's going to keep it going. It doesn't always have to be you have to drop the dough 
on that film, but just having that communication with the people around you to keep it alive is important. So I don't think there's an end. Well, like uh, forever. One question. Okay. Let's, I know you don't want to think about it, but the, the, the Fuji's gone. You've shot it all. And you got to deal with it's super sense, right? That's making the, the new, is that, is that yeah, yeah. Doc. Uh, if, if, if you have to go to them, uh, which I'm sure you'd be happy to do, uh, how will you, cause it's going to be pricey. It's not going to be the cheapest way to keep, uh, you know, shooting that format or anything like that. Uh, how do you, th- do you think that will limit how much you use it? Or are you just gonna be like, hell with it. You know, this is, this is what, it, this is what it costs. I'm just gonna have to pay the price of admission. So how, how would you deal with that? Mike, this is a big question about life because <laughs> <laughs> you want to get deep for a second here. Uh, I, you know, I've never thought that I was going to live a long life. I'm free and I do what I want and I shoot what I want and I try not to think too much about it. And if a pack screws up, it is what it is, you know, mm-hmm. the hell with it being $70 on eBay now. I don't care. <laughs> right. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, so if it's gone, it's gone. I just have mm. to let it go. But I am going to support whoever I can in the meantime. But we still have all of these other films, and I still purchase those. I still experiment with anything else that comes along. I'm open to everything. And maybe one day... My retirement fund will be so thick. Massive. <laughs> that I'll just do it myself. There you go. Why not? You know? <laughs> what else am I going to do? Yeah, you could just uh, get some of that goop out of your veins and, and use some of that to make. make uh, hey, I just <laughs> spread it on a piece of paper and call it a day. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, I think we uh, about time to wrap this one up. This is uh, going to be a, a really good episode. I, I, it's very, uh, very fun to have you on, Jess. And uh, you, uh, you did a great job, and uh, it's been a real blast, and, and very uh, also educational. I really appreciate you coming on. It's been, it's been a good, good time. time, and and thanks for the beers too. So yeah. yeah. Well, I guess well, like uh, you can say that it's time to, for you to blow this joint. <laughs> how many how, really how long good. did you think of that i held on to that one for a while <laughs> i'm not gonna lie <laughs> uh, yeah well hmm maybe this podcast should take a knee but uh oh my God. <laughs> all right uh so let's go ahead and get our social media stuff out there jess how would you tell the uh fine folks uh where to uh where to check out all this fine photography we've been talking about you can find me on Instagram at Yes Yones. It's not Yesy Yones. It's not Yesy Ones. It's <laughs> Yes Yones. Just like Yim Yames, if any of you are my morning jacket fans. He's but, from, a, he's from uh, my, uh, my city. So, I yeah. know. He's, he's my, one of my favorite dudes. Uh, yes, Yones. My website is yesyones.com, but don't go there. I haven't updated it in two years. And then I'm Jessica Jones on Facebook, and you can find me kind of lurking in the Negative Positives podcast Facebook group as well. Uh, Jim James came into the bar that I used to work at, and... Yeah. The uh, they have a huge photo. They used to have a huge photo of him on framed photo of him on the wall, and 
he came in there and was drinking and kind of minding himself. He, he every time I've ever run into him at a bar, he seems to kind of you know, state himself or whatever. And uh, he, he saw that photo, uh, paid his tab, and I've never seen him back in that place. <laughs> <laughs> he's a sweet little introvert too. He's just he's a sweet man and yeah. so talented, and I love him. I really there do. You there you go. A little, little Louisville connection there. So Ooh, yeah. Uh, all right, Bill, where where can people check you out? And of course, everybody knows about your podcast, but go ahead and tell them about that too. But Yeah, no worries. So uh, before I get into that, I just want to say I'm so sorry that you're going to be knee-deep in the outtakes. <laughs> 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 All right, uh, so on that bombshell, um, you I can think find you me. Win. You win, Bill. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Uh, yeah. You can find me uh, on Instagram at studio.c41 um, and on our website, studioc41.net. Well, thank you, Bill, for coming on and being a very chocolatey cocoa captain, despite your horrible <laughs> knee jokes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You're just jelly. <laughs> that's what my knee feels like right now anyway it's got enough fluid in it right now but uh but yeah thanks bill for coming on and bailing, bailing us out and let andre have a little little romantic excursion so he really missed out <laughs> he absolutely he missed out on a good one for sure he missed out on a free beer too so you know that's it yeah. it was delicious jess it, it by was, the way it fantastic Yay. my compliments to fine uh to uh fine creek yep virginia come see me absolutely all right, uh, you can see my photography on Instagram at Gutterman Photo, on Facebook at Mike Gutterman Photography. You can email this program at negpositives at gmail.com. Uh, you can join the Facebook group, the Negative Positives Film Photography Podcast Facebook group. And we also have an Instagram account for this program under the account named Negative Positives, mostly ran by a friend of the show, Mr. Bryce Randall, who, Jess, I believe you bought that large format camera from. So, uh yeah, he uh, he mostly helps me with that. And if you so if you submit photos to Instagram, think about using the hashtags negative the hashtag negative positives, and maybe Bryce will see it and highlight it for all of us to see. You did buy a camera from him, is that right? Did I hear you that correctly? I sure did. That's right. That's right. Yeah, Bryce has uh, been a big help to me. So uh, I think he just set up something different on the Instagram account where I can see um, see what's going on a little better. Turn it into a business account or something. I don't know. He's, he, he knows, he knows way more about doing that shit than I do. That's why I let him do it. So. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you, Bryce. Uh, thanks for your help. Okay. Um, folks, uh, there will not be a solo show this week. This is the, uh, this is the beginning, a new beginning for negative positives. We're going to a one week, uh, one episode a week, uh, format starting with next Monday. Uh, next Monday will be January 6th, I believe. And that will be the launch of, uh, the new kind of direction for the podcast where it's going to be Andre, uh, myself and Roxana Angles will be joining us as a permanent, uh, co-host uh, of the uh, podcast. So that'll start next Monday. So looking forward to a little new direction. So, uh, yeah, so that's, uh, no, so no solo show that the end of the two a weeks are done. So now you guys can finally get caught up on this, on this program. So, <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, looking forward to that, but, uh, until then everybody have a great week. Uh, thanks again to Jessica Jones for joining us. And thanks to, uh, Mr. Bill Manning, uh, for being very chocolatey. And, uh, so until, until we talk to you next time, everybody stay positive. And photos, film, cool. <laughs> shoot. Dang it. <laughs> and shoot some cool film photos, y'all. There it is. And Bill? 
Oh, I already said it when she was throwing words out there. I still want some. I still want some emphatic uh, uh, ending there. So give, give me the exclamation point, Bill. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> all right, dang it. That's all we wanted. <laughs> all right, folks. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening. Okay, this is Mike on the mic. Testies, one, two, two testies. Mike, testies. And Bill. <laughs> Hello, this is Bill Manning, and I don't know what I'm doing because I have a giant beer in my hand that <laughs> 32 fluid ounces. Uh, that let's let's put this in perspective. That is more than a bottle of wine. Was it 750 <laughs> milliliters? I'm just saying. So that's my mic check. <laughs> there you go. And Jessica. All right. Well, I am halfway through my 32 ounces, which is only a mere pint, but I've got another 32 ounces lined up before or after that one. So <laughs> here we go. She, I can already tell she's uh, she's going to fit right in. So we're, oh we're good. So. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, When I went outside, I went outside to, to water the thorny bush outside and um, – the there was this rabbit uh and it was literally like uh, like it was like three foot away from me and it just kept looking at me while i was peeing and uh which kind of gave me like the you know know, it's just a little odd you know but (laughs) (laughs) and the weird thing was it didn't even run away and i I guess it saw me (laughs) hobble to the thorn bush and he was like well this guy's not gonna catch me i don't even gotta run from this guy so i don't know but like I, i have to tell you something uh-huh. The beer might have had a little something special in it. What? <laughs> what? what? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I didn't mix it with anything. That rabbit oh. was real. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering if it was pink. I'd never seen a pink one before. But uh... <laughs> Those are probably your knee drugs then. <laughs> So, you know, those Christmas specials are always something weird, like the Star Wars Christmas special where Chewbacca's right. like talking for 10 minutes and you're like, what the fuck did he just say? And it's always something so strange. That's what you should do. Just release them as a bulk, bulk Christmas special. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good. Uh, it was Too good. Far. <laughs> a gutter man cave production.